welcome to another DOS Game Club podcast. It's uh, episode number 19, I believe. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. So I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums, and uh, we're here to talk about uh, Tyrion, which we played in June. Um, now, I'm not going to do that all by myself. Uh, right next to me is the regular co-host, uh, Florian. Hi, but I'm not right next to you. You're a liar. Well, You're a liar. In, in Ger- <laughs> I mean in the next country. Oh, okay, I see. <laughs> Uh, and also joining us is uh, Firefight, he's called on the forums, uh, Esco. Hello. Hey, super cool uh, that you wanted to join us. It's great that you wanted to have me along with the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, new member, uh, but uh, not new to uh, Tyrion, I believe. So, uh, yeah, I hope you can you can help us and, and, and guide us uh, through this one, because... Uh, well, I know one thing for sure, and that is you know a lot more about this game than we do. So uh, yeah, well, yeah, let's let's hope that we get a good show and that we can uh, give people insight to what actually Tyrion is. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, let's uh, let's dive in. There we go. start off um i don't think this game was uh, suggested through the forums was it no it wasn't we wanted to play a vertical shoot 'em up and we just decided to start a twitter poll and Tyrion won yeah exactly because uh we we never had a vertical shooter until uh, up till now so we felt yeah you know we want to cover all sorts of games and not just one particular uh, type so yeah it seemed like a good genre to have and i think we also had raptor on the list what all what other games were contenders for this um i forgot i i hope you had <laughs> uh, raiden on Ra- the list yeah 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 we definitely yes, had we had raiden and one more let's <laughs> i forgot i'm sorry <laughs> no it doesn't matter uh let's see if we can quickly see what what Tyrion won against. There we go. I have found it. Yeah, Xenon 2 was the other one. So we had Raptor, Xenon 2, Raiden, and Tyrion uh, as our uh, contenders. Um, now, out of these, I, I only really played Raptor. So uh, 
yeah, Tyrion was also sort of new to me. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've played probably all of them, not that much on Xenon 2. I actually own a CD copy of Raiden somewhere. Hmm, that's cool. Uh, that came with uh, as well as with CD audio, and I played Raptor to death uh, yeah. back it back in the day. It's it sort of pre preceded Tyrion in sort of the PC vertical shoot 'em up arena. Mm. As well as at least as as far as my memory goes back. Yeah, I think Raptor was released one year earlier uh, in 1994, and uh, Raptor was released through Apogee as uh, shareware, while Tyrion was released a, a year later in 1995, and it was also released as shareware but through Epic Mega Games. Yeah. So I think these were big. Um, con- yeah, how do you say this? There was like a competition going on between these guys as well. Yeah, the 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 of course the difference between the third one that I know very well is which is Raiden, which was originally an arcade game, mm-hmm. and that was then re-released re-released to PC. Yeah, but but with Raptor, I think I think the the main point was is that it was um, much more linear in in aspect than than Tyrion was, and and that that was maybe the reason why many people today would put Tyrion as the top one vertical shooter back from from that era. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, because there must be a reason why this game won uh, by quite some margin. I mean, all the games on the list got some votes, but 36% of the people voted for Tyrion, while next runner-up was Raptor with 29%. Uh, so, yeah, there was a clear preference for Tyrion. They're both good games. I mean, you'll probably get back into Raptor maybe sometime again down the line. Yeah. I sure hope so. And there and there was a remake out of that that came out a couple years back as well. So hmm. uh, for those interested, go go look that up. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but for now, we're going to talk about Tyrion. Um, now, personally, I I think I have played this game when it came out, but only a little bit. Uh, it was actually I remember it was quite uh, easy to get. It was. Bundled on on CDs with magazines, stuff like that. The the shareware version that is. Uh, so I I feel that it was quite commonly, yeah, just installed on on lots of computers everywhere, and people would just have this. Uh, but I never really really dived into it and and played it in depth. Um, have you played it before, Florian? No, I hadn't even heard about it before we looked it up for the uh, poll. Wow. Yeah, but you, you know me. I, I never know the games. <laughs> well, sometimes you do. Uh, but, yeah, uh, sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Esco, for you, this is, of course, very different. Yeah, this, this, is, this is sort of the, the bread and butter of vertical shooters back, back when I uh, played it. I, I started off with the first version, which was the shareware version, got got the update to 1.1, moved on to 2.0, and, and then later on to Turian 2000 when it was released in, mm. in vari- various shareware and uh, non-shareware formats. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, only until recently, about a year and a half ago, I, I got into speedrunning the game mm. with, the, with the sage advice of it, uh, pick a game you absolutely love. And because you're expected to play hours yeah. and hours and hours <laughs> and hours of that game, so uh, if you're going to speedrun something, go with something you love. And Tyrion was one of the games that I remember that that I dreamed about uh, speedrunning when I was uh, watching other speedrunners doing oh. their thing. 
That's cool. And it surprised me that nobody had done it ever before. Oh. So I was the first person uh, ever to properly speedrun the game, and I currently moderate it on speedrun.com. Wow, that's cool, man. So, yeah, that that recent, why, why do you think that is? Was it just forgotten, or...? Uh, I think the the problem is is that uh, the the greatest enemy of a speedrunner is auto, is an auto scroller, mm. and what do you have with a vertical uh, shoot 'em up or even a horizontal shoot 'em up? You have an auto scroller. Mm. So for that reason is is that uh, you end up with uh, the the more important bosses known as the menu boss. So in other words, how much time you spend in menus and <laughs> and uh, how well your execution is and what, what are your choices. And Tyrion is actually an interesting game and that fact is that you have so much choice that uh, you end up with uh, maybe having slightly different play styles and a bit more adaptability, especially in arcade mode. And, and we can get into that in, in a bit when yeah. we uh, talk more on the details of, of the gameplay itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that. But you can't, you can't really decide how fast the game is going, because of just yeah, it just scrolls for you. So, yeah, this makes speedrunning a bit weird. Yeah, for that for that reason, what actually makes it more difficult is is that because it does have an in-game speed. So you do get to choose between slug mode and turbo mode. Right. Is that the the, the general idea is, is you put it on turbo mode, which was initially meant to be semi-difficult or semi-impossible to even play uh-huh. normally. So you, you have to uh, consider that when, when playing, is that you're playing at the, what's considered the highest speed yeah. of the game and you're trying to play through at the highest speed of the game. <laughs> of course, the main issue at, at that, if, if you actually go into speedrunning it, is, is that you lose one of the aspects that I really loved in the game, which is the music, because the mm. whole game engine is sped up a bit more and then you end up uh, losing, losing the great music that we have. Oh yeah, the music uh, is, is great. That's that was uh, one, of, one of my great loves in Tyrion. Wow, that's crazy. So the whole game just speeds up. Yeah, and and if you go watch uh, one of my videos or or some of the more uh, newer uh, world records on, on the uh, uh, actual game, is is that you notice that the music is very sped up, and I even uh, mm. tone down the music in some of my uh, runs uh, because then it just distracts from the gameplay yeah. and it distracts from everything else. Yeah, I understand. So. Um, we mentioned that this is a vertical shooter. I think for the for the listeners who are completely new to this, I think we should explain the basics a little bit before we go on. Um, so a vertical shoot, it's a top-down game, really. That's what it comes down to. So, so you control a little ship, right? And it's basically just a top-down view, and you go vertically through a level... And you encounter enemies which you shoot down and pick up power-ups along the way. And in the end, there's a big boss. That's basically the format, right? Yeah, that's probably been the classic format since I don't, I don't even know what's the first uh, uh, example of this game. But yeah. pretty, pretty much the, the same, same point. And then your ship can move around in, in the screen. Exactly. I, I'm betting that probably the first one it was probably an arcade game of some some sort but it might be that even Raiden which was mentioned before is sort of the the first proper example of of such a game being popular in in some aspect yeah yeah it's a very it's very much an arcade 
type game, like you say. It's you, you know, you put a quarter in and then you just go see how far you can come, and then at one point you die. So put in insert, another quarter. Insert yeah. coin. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think in the 80s, I think this this format moved to consoles. Uh, I think there were quite a few of these sort of games on, on like the Nintendo and early 90s as well, on the Super NES, stuff like that. Yeah, there's um, uh, Twinbee, I think, is a, probably one of the good examples. Uh, something that people have run across maybe more in arcades as well as on the NES. I think it was like 1942 or something, which is sort of like, or some was it nineteen something? It w- it was a uh, similar uh, uh, game where you were uh, piloting in uh, an aircraft, and then you had enemies coming at you, and it was more World War Two prop kind mm. uh, prop planes or or uh, early uh, planes like that. So it was it was much uh, similar to the, this kind of games, and very much a predecessor. Yeah. But it, uh, Tyrion has sort of a more space motif rather than an on Earth motif. Mm-hmm. So we're running on we're on space, and we can we can get into the story in a in a moment after we've gone through sort of the basic idea of the gameplay. Yeah, I'd love to hear that because this game actually has story, as wacky as it is. <laughs> well, I I can't wait for you, for you to to tell it uh, to tell us um, because we were in a bit of um, a holiday break situation. I mean, we played this game back in June. But then, you know, the, the summer holidays happened and there, there was like a, a massive heat wave that, that broke out. So I, I didn't really actually get the chance to really play the game that much, as much as I had liked. Uh, so, yeah, I'm super happy that you can explain everything to us because, uh, yeah, I mean, we need... I don't, I don't remember half of it, but I can at least sort of point you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, what I wanted to say is that that this sort of game it it, it originated from the arcade and it moved uh, to the console quite uh, naturally. Of how do you say this? Like the the console was like a natural environment for this sort of game. Um, but on the PC, you didn't really see that many of this type of action based. Yeah, like the whole the whole screen is scrolling. And that's something that's not in that many DOS games, I feel. Uh, so maybe that's also why it took a few years, because these games are from the mid-90s. R- Raptor and, and Tyrion that we talked about is from 94 and 95, which is a bit late for the genre, really, yeah. isn't it? I I think... I think what 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 you have is is the problem is is that uh, back then, of course, PCs weren't very powerful at all, especially compared to to uh, home consoles and arcade games. Mm-hmm. Is is that we uh, we ended up uh, us sort of DOS users ended up with the short end of the stick on on uh, power. Yeah, is is that when something needed to be done, then the computers that people had at home just didn't have enough RAM or didn't have enough disk space or they were stuck in in basically, uh, well, uh, CGA uh, uh, graphics. Mm-hmm. And, and that sort of didn't well, uh, work very well. If you yeah. look, if you sort of, in, in contrast, look at uh, like early um, adventure games, you notice that about a third of the screen is is actually something that you're doing with and the rest of it is text boxes or uh, uh, selection areas or just uh, a general area for input. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of that uh, probably comes back from that era. I'm pretty sure there's something on the C64 and the Amiga that are, that are similar. Mm. But again, also what you have to consider is, is what kind of input devices we have. Mm. Back, back then, uh, maybe the Gravis... Uh, Ultra and the Gravis game gamepad were starting to get more common, so people started to have more joysticks right. rather than uh, fixing up with the the traditional uh, keyboard system. And even back then, uh, mice were not a very precise input method. Mm. And that's actually something interesting in Tyrion is is that the keyboard is the inferior input device in the game. Really, you can move you can move faster if you play with the mouse. Oh, really? Wow. That's good to know. I would have liked to know that two months ago. <laughs> uh, and, and that uh, most likely the joystick works just as fast. I haven't tried it. I mean, I could, I'm uh, thinking that I could uh, set up my PlayStation 3 controller with my PC and then try, mm-hmm. that, try that out. But it's, uh, the mouse is actually considered, in, in speedrunning, it's the faster one to actually play the game. But for oh. menuing, the keyboard is faster because you're moving a cursor in, in a discrete pattern. So you press mm. up, it goes up, rather than dragging mouse all, all across the screen to press next level. Right. But yes, so, so I think in, in that aspect, it might be that people were just not ready to play these sort of games with the keyboard. And, and uh, well, that was basically it. I mean, yeah. you wouldn't want to play this game with, a, with an old uh, two-button uh, logic mouse. Ah, wow, that's cool. I had no idea. So you, you played these speedruns with your mouse and then only switched the keyboard during the menus and then switched back? That's the most optimal way. Ah, cool. Wow. I've, I've, done, it, I've done it only keyboard only. I'd bit press for time mm. uh, with uh, actually doing runs of the game itself. It took me, uh, uh, I don't know, it took me 10, 15 hours to actually uh, first uh, do the initial uh, routing for the game. So it all, I only made a, a couple runs, but people have been doing much better and, and building on that runs. And that's how the speedrun community works is you yeah. do something well and somebody go, goes around and does it better. Yeah, cool, man. Cool. Um, so, yeah, you can, you can tell us more about the speedrunning uh, uh, later because it's, it's really quite interesting. Uh, but... When we are describing this game, you already mentioned that there's a story mode and there's an arcade mode. Yeah. Uh, so are are those the two main modes? Because I also read about some, there's a, a two-player mode and some super arcade stuff like that. Yes. Uh, there's there's a f- uh, quite a few uh, gameplay modes actually, and and mini games within the within it as well. But the basic idea is is that you have a full story mode, which lets you make your own choices, mm-hmm. and it also lets you actually read on on what's happening in, in the story. Right. Uh, from that aspect, it, it's it's better to actually go through the full story mode first, so to get a feeling to the game and. Uh, it doesn't punish you uh, that much when you die. If you die in the level in full story mode, you go uh, back out into the menu, you start the level over again, you try again. Oh. In arcade mode, it's very traditional arcade, is that you lose a life, uh, you lose weapon power, and then you're suddenly up against the same boss again with less weapon wow. power. It takes a lot more time to defeat it. <laughs> so it's it's very traditional on, on that aspect. The, uh, the other modes... Uh, uh, our two-player mode, 
which uh, originally was also uh, so that you could use a null modem, a modem, and an IPX network. Yeah. So this actually had online multiplayer, so two people could actually play at the same time. One would control one ship, which has uh, uh, the rear weapons. Uh, we'll get into this probably in a moment. And yeah. uh, the sidekicks, and then another one, which was the front one. And wow. then you could join the two, and then the front weapon would act, act as a completely... Um, uh, 360 alignable weapon, which you could shoot in whatever direction you wanted. Wow. So it's like co-op. So it is actual co-op on the same screen. Uh, currently, there is possibly a way you can play it with the current version that you can get of Tyrion 2000, but it was it's right now the easiest way is to grab a friend. Hmm. And even in that aspect, one of you has to play probably on a joystick or an emulated joystick device, hmm. and the other one has to use the keyboard or the mouse in, in that right. aspect. Yeah. But I've, I played plenty of two-player mode back in the day as well with, with a friend of mine or friends of mine, so uh, that's, it's, it works the same as arcade mode, but it's just two players. Yeah. The um, uh, super arcade mode is then uh, a more special mode where you input special codes that you get after actually completing the game. Hmm. And uh, that gives you a special ship with special things, uh, special weapons, and then you can, if you complete it again, you get another code, and and so on. Right. And Super Tyrion itself is where you play arcade mode, except it's locked on on the hardest difficulty mode. Oh. And then you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> right, because this game you you can choose the difficulty at the start. Right, you have easy, medium, hard, I believe. Yeah, easy, medium, hard, suicide, and Lord of the Game. Yeah. Exactly. And so Supertarian is just locked on the... Lord of the game. Exactly. Cool. And there's, if, if you go looking around, you can see people that have actually completed the, the game on Lord of the Game difficulty mode. And there's special builds, in other words, weapon <laughs> layouts and, and ships that they use to build it. And there's, there exists uh, two ships which are actually optimal for, for that gameplay mode, mm. which are the first two ships you get in the game. Huh. Yeah, because that's the other big thing in the game. Um, I mean, you go in, in story mode and arcade mode as well. You go through these levels and defeat these bosses. But then uh, there's the chance to upgrade your ship, right? Yeah, there's there's a few things that you can upgrade in the ship. And it's very evident in story mode. when you If you destroy enemies and you collect little items during the levels, you get points. Hmm. And you can trade these points for upgrades then in the shop. Right. The shop contents depend on what level you're on. Right. So if you're going to a certain level, it will have certain things in the shop. Ah. Uh, so you can upgrade or downgrade your weapons uh, in the shop, and you can even upgrade your weapon power in the shop. So the things that you can upgrade is front weapon, rear weapon, sidekicks or side weapons. You can have a left and a right one, which mm -hmm. can be separate. Okay. And there's some special weapons that can only be left, and there's special weapons that can only be right. Right. And there's some weapons that can be both. In some cases, these uh, are limited ammo resources that regenerate over time, or they're fixed shots, or there's something called charge shots, which means is that as long as you don't fire them, they charge up, and then at full charge, they do a certain amount of damage. Ah, that's cool. Like a big bomb that's building up. And well, then... it's more like a, a big laser. There's right. a charge charge weapon and a Zika charger, which which are both just bigger bigger lasers. The actual ones that, that are the best are the limited-use ones. Okay. And, 
and those those you'll see uh, you'll only see one uh, one of those actually in action during the speed run because it's grossly overpowered. <laughs> cool. And in in addition to this, you can you can change your ship, which changes the um, the armor, hmm. but it also changes uh, what's known as little twiddles. Okay, what's that? So Tyrion has a special ability is that when you play the actual game itself, you can do different keyboard commands or movement commands, and that will enable a special weapon or recharge your shields or make you invulnerable for for a while or give you even a special weapon like cheat codes you mean or special moves or it's it's more like special moves so it's it's more going back to the uh the uh, punch em up range is mm-hmm. where you'd have the 2D fighting games and you have to go da- uh, down uh, down right right and punch to do a hadouken for example yeah, yeah, in yeah. street fighter so these are these are exactly those kinds and they're not actually cheat codes oh. they're par- as as far as i i view them they're part of the game themselves they're what makes each uh, different ship unique Oh, that's... And there's something something that you can use along the game. When you get into the later bits of the game, you can. Uh, one of the ships has an ability, or actually, about four or five of them have an ability where you can uh, recharge your armor by using your shields. Wow, that's cool. And and I suppose this information is not uh, actually in the game. I mean, no, it's actually people way back when probably had to go and try out what they were doing and. Various moves is like I think it, one of them is like uh, left right shoot and the the opposite is right left shoot and it shoots a, some kind of laser off to the side on one of the ships. Yeah, so yeah, I always wondered about this because I, I remember back in the day you you used to get these gaming magazines and sometimes in the in the back there would be these lists of special moves for Mortal Kombat or whatever you know. Yeah. And I, yeah, I always was looking for that because that was basically the only way to get access to all these commands. Because yeah, I was not going to try every combination, and yeah, so this was it. There was no, yeah, you couldn't go on the internet and just find them. Well, so, well back then you could, but that's <laughs> that's a different matter. That's true. Yeah, that's true because this game is from '95, of course. So by then, I guess the internet was a thing. Yeah, well, but still not. Yeah, I remember downloading walkthroughs for adventure games back then. So, just yeah. just as well. But the but going back to sort of the aspect is of upgrades. So you have the ship, which is sort of your main fighter. They also have different looks for them, so you don't have to look at uh, exactly the same. You can also upgrade your shield. Mm-hmm. So that's a basic thing, a basic resource that if you get hit once, the shield goes down a certain amount, and that recharges again over time. And uh, what's special for a story mode is you can upgrade your generator. Right. The generator generates your power, which recharges your shield and lets you shoot. Exactly. So if you have a powerful weapon and a very underpowered uh, generator, you can't shoot. Hmm. You're basically spending all your energy, so you shoot once, you recharge, you shoot again. Uh-huh. Rather than the most powerful generator that basically recharges infinitely, lets you shoot as much as the weapon lets you. Yeah, and and this also recharges the the shields or the armor, or or is it just the weapons? the shields? Yeah. just the shield, the shields and the weapons, and then part of it could be used as well for the sidekicks. But I never really noticed it mm. as far as that. Yeah, and generally you you get a uh, 
far enough in the game and then you already have the best generator before you've even played maybe an hour or so. <laughs> okay. And and then you ignore it. Yeah, but it's still cool that, that there's a reason to let go of the fire button at first. I mean, in a lot of these vertical shooters, you just... You just start firing and never let go, right? Yeah, that's that's the basic aspect is, is that you just fire and you never let go. There's also very many different reasons to let go of the fire button. Uh, some of them include special upgrades that only drop from enemies and they do special things. Hmm. And you can actually, what's interesting is, is that, say, if you have like the flare ability that bombs the whole screen and, and creates a whole mess of, of red bombing clouds, is, is that you can actually buffer that input. So when when the flare is happening, you can press the button, you can release the fire button, you press it down again, you'll continue firing, but that'll be already is that the next time the flare reloads, it'll actually be re- active. Oh wow! So it'll activate it automatically. So that's that's a fun thing as well. Right. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff to do. But in in the shop as well, what you can do, which I did not know until much later after playing the game, that you can actually upgrade your front and your rear weapons in the uh, shop itself. Oh wow! You you played it without ever upgrading the weapons. I I played through episode one again and again to pick up the individual uh, up weapon upgrades that you could get in the levels, just so I could upgrade my weapon. Oh. And I didn't know that you could you could because uh, back then I think I was using the mouse more for menuing and and you'd click on something and then you didn't notice. But right underneath the little left display, which which is in the shop itself, which shows you what your weapons look like when you fire, is is that. Uh, there's a little arrow where you can press right, and that uses up your money and or your points to uh, upgrade the weapons. Hmm. Oh, right. But it probably made you a really good player in the game. So, uh, probably. But that was only the first episode. The first episode uh, isn't actually very difficult. Well, not for you. <laughs> <laughs> actually, That's uh, back, back in back in one point it actually had less levels as well in the first episode. Hmm. So there were levels added on to the first episode in, in the later uh, updates to the game. Right. So what, what happened to me was, uh, you, you're saying episode one was super easy, but um, I, for a few retries, I finished episode one, but then I start episode two, and suddenly all the enemies have much more armor, and my weapons just don't punch through them, and I didn't collect enough money in episode one, so I couldn't get better weapons, and then I failed completely. So I think even if episode one is a bit easier than the rest, then you still need to collect so much money in those early levels that it's actually made harder than it would otherwise be. Yeah, one of the important aspects uh, when you play through story mode is, is is also to make sure what you're upgrading and why. Right. Uh, but this is this is one of the greatest parts of this game is is that. You have so many choices for front weapons. You have so many choices for rear weapons. You have so many choices for your side weapons that you can come out and and play a completely different game just based on these choices. Yeah, right. And that that's what made up for the replayability, and that's what probably, uh, hopefully, is why people love this game. Mm. Is that you could go in and choose that you wanted the heavy missile launchers as your front weapon, and. God knows why anybody would ever want to do that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but that's what you could do. Right. Yeah, I can totally see that. Once you really get into this trying different configurations, then it becomes really addicting, doesn't it? Yeah. The One of the special aspects of uh, as well of the rear weapons is, is that you could change, in some of the cases, you could change uh, how they actually work. Hmm. 
So the proton rear weapon, for example, in basic in basic configuration, shoots uh, some amount of of uh, ammo. Uh, diagonally forwards to the left and to the right. And in the second configuration, it creates actually these spheres that circle your ship. Right. Okay. So there are many weapons that that have these kind of configuration options on the rear weapons. Mm. And you can change that on the fly during the game and during the level. Oh. Oh, you don't have to go back to the shop to change this. No, you press, I think it's the enter key. Ah. And that's all you have to do. Yeah, there, there, for a vertical shooter, there are quite a lot of controls, actually. Um, a lot of these games are just arrows and, and fire, and that's it. Yeah, if I remember correctly, Raptor just had a fire button, switch weapon button, and uh, the mega bomb thing that you could drop. Mm. I think that's that's all the controls that that game had. But Tyrion has a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, and Tyrion you need, hold on, uh, one, two, three, four, well, you need your direction keys, you need your fire button, you need your left and right sidekicks separately, and then uh, you need the... Um, the uh, rear weapon switch if you want to actually use that. Mm, exactly. Um, now, I think it would be fun to go over the story quickly uh, because we mentioned there is a full story mode, but we only uh, we only explained like how that works mechanically, like you go from level to level and stuff like that. But there's more. There, they wrote a whole backstory to this, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I, re- I read a little bit about it. Uh, it's it's on a it's on an alien planet or something. And well, you can explain it better than I can. So, yeah. Well, uh, it's it's not really an alien planet. It's sort of a, it's it's a completely different galaxy. Hmm. And that's actually referenced in the game uh, in in a ways. Is that go go and go and look look that up and just play the game. It's free anyway. Yeah. So just play the game and. Uh, and and figure it out, but you're you're starting out as this pilot Trent who's doing work for uh, a certain company, and uh, I don't even remember which which of the company he works. And then he comes across bad guys and and uh, various different choices, and he has people talking to you. And during the gameplay, you can pick up these uh, game. Uh, data cubes that uh, the enemies drop and uh, then you go once you complete the level you go back into the men- menu and then you can read the data cubes and some of them are advertisements oh. and uh, and uh, some of them are just uh, actual people sending sending you information like hey Trent we've we found this and this information about this place please watch out oh. or in in some cases that the the data cubes themselves are are be, are garbage or that uh, or little uh, facts from people that that have uh, talked to you earlier on than the data cubes of the game so uh, some of the data cubes are actually fixed uh, story drivers mm-hmm. and the others are ones that you pick up during the level and and add little tidbits of information or ask you do you uh, have you always wanted a, a fruit blender 2000 <laughs> yeah but that's cool that works like a sort of uh world building thing you know to to get all these little bits of information yeah so you can yeah imagine what this world is like so you have various different uh entities such as microsol and uh, zinglon and uh, uh 
their various there's a cult all involved with Singlon and and uh, the way it is. It's 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 stupidly wacky and it is not it's not actually a, 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 an important part of the game, but it it adds sort of a nice little flair and and a, mm. and a way that that you've you've thought about it more. Yeah. It's, it's not like a Super Mario game was save the princess, period. Exactly. Or exactly. or save the galaxy, period. Yeah. Is is it's uh, this is somebody that really has no idea what they're doing. That's cool, and that's also how I felt playing this game. By the way, so <laughs> what, not knowing what you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, but I also I always like that uh, when when a game when the when the story of a game basically is. This guy has no idea and he's trying to figure it out, which is sort of the same situation that the player is in. You know, you're just trying to figure out what this is all about. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and there's also some some aspects where you can pick up even more information about about the sort of the backstory of the game if you if you get into what's called secret levels as well. And we could, okay, uh, and uh, so those are special little pickups that you can get on special levels that'll move you on to a, a completely different level, and they'll have their own. They have their own uh, data uh, cubes and data information. They might have a completely different shop layout. Oh. So you could get like to a special level from the very first level, and there you could already buy like uh, the second best shield in the game. Wow! And does that happen instantaneously? Like you pick up this thing, and then you are right to the secret level, or no? You have to still complete the level normally, mm-hmm. and in some cases as well, there are multiple secret levels actually. Uh, accessible within us within one level. Oh wow! Those, so there's actually long routes. This is where there's very long routes. Was where you can go through as many levels as possible by picking up enough secret levels, and you go from one secret level to a different secret level, and then you can go around. And that's also a, uh, gives a good amount of replay value. Is is that uh, you you'll never be able to go through all the levels in one game play game uh, sitting. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I understand. This is cool. So you actually have to complete the game once to, in order to access the rest of the secret levels if you know how to get to them. Yeah. Oh, I can totally see how you can get lost in this game. This is, yeah. One one thing is is that uh, probably should be mentioned is, is that when you actually do complete the game, you go back to level one. Okay. So you go back to the very start of the very first episode. You've coll- you keep all the points that you've collected up until then. You keep your ship uh, except for one uh, very small uh, detail that might happen, but you keep your ship, your weapons, and everything, and then you start completely uh, from the first level, and then you can breeze through it with your absolutely overpowered combination of whatever you collected along the way. That's cool. That's that. So, yeah. you, so you're not forced to start off at zip yeah. after first collecting the 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 thing through. Yeah. So uh, that also increases the replayability in my in my eyes a mm. lot. Is that it's not okay? Level one, start again from the beginning. Yeah, and you get this sense of mastery as well. Like when you first did it, you were this tiny little, you know, just a small ship and small guns. But but once you acquired everything, you feel very powerful and very mighty. So yeah, you 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 go in very differently anyway because you've already completed the game. But then you're rewarded as well by having this, the ship to prove it. So yeah, that's pretty cool. It's uh, it's cool that the game acknowledges it, that that you have, uh, yeah, you've made it. So it's it doesn't reset you all the way to zero. That's cool. So you mentioned quickly that there's also mini games in this game. I think. 
Yeah, the there are more mini games in the later version versions of the game. So uh, okay. if you're more inclined, just pick up Tyrion Two Thousand, which is sort of the last version of the game, and uh, you can play um, uh, something called Destruct, mm-hmm. which is literally you type Destruct in the main menu, and then you get into a uh, game that is uh, very similar to uh, Scorched Earth, which you've also played on on. Uh, DOS Game Club before. Indeed, we and, have. Which which is also one of my uh, all-time favorite uh, uh, multiplayer games at the same computer. Uh-huh. And that that's that's uh, a lot of fun. I've spent many many hours playing that. <laughs> yeah, I will I will check this out for sure. So you just type destruct in the main menu and then That's it. It's a different game. Wow, that's crazy. It's basically there's different kinds of gameplay modes, and you can play against the computer or you can play against uh, an opponent, uh-huh. and uh, or uh, and then it, that's pretty much it. And there's uh, four or five different game modes that you can try, and and uh, different kinds of of ways that that works. Wow, so that's that's a lot of fun. That's crazy uh, stuff. <laughs> that, yeah, and there's a couple other mini games that you actually run into uh, during gameplay. So when after you complete episode one, you can get into a level called uh, Zinglon's Ale. Mm-hmm. So basically, the level level's name in game is Beer. Yeah. So you have this little ship which uh, shoots one little shot uh, every second, and you uh, try to shoot the enemies and collect ale and and get points, and that basically continues until you lose all your lives or or you lose patience with the game. Okay. So it's a mini game with it with inside the game itself, and uh, I don't know. I played probably about uh, seven hours straight of that game <laughs> at some point. But it's like, is it like a drinking game, or what is it? I mean, no, it's it's basic. It's basic, the same vertical shooter, except in this case, it doesn't scroll. The enemies sort of come off the top of the screen. Right. They come in certain patterns, and you have to do certain things. To, uh, to get them, you can collect little power ups, which uh, which let you uh, shoot a, a bigger bomb. But uh, otherwise, it's just uh, you you, you collect a lot of points and that's it. It's just a little fun fun thing. Yeah. But why is it called ale then? So you do do collect uh, uh, little uh, bottles of beer Mm. as as special special things. And in some of the levels in Tyrion itself, uh, some enemies actually drop it as well. Cool. (laughs) That's funny. Um, There's other mini games as well though, right? Yeah, I've I forget half of all the games that are there. I have um I have a little list here that says there's also a thing called Zinglon's Squadrons. Ooh, which point of the game is that one in? Um it says here on Wikipedia that Zinglon's Squadrons is a mini game similar to Galaxian or Galaga. Ah, yes. Yeah, it's it's uh it's probably um one of the ones that's, is you have to complete the game actually with uh a different ship than one of one of the specific ones, so it's it's uh, very much like um, yeah. Well, it's very Galaga esque or or uh, Space Invaders. Yeah, Space Invaders would probably be yeah, be closer. So exactly. so that's something that's uh, that's there there as well. So there's a fleet uh, fleet of enemies, and then you have to destroy them all, and then it's yeah, and then it continues indefinitely. Exactly, essentially. yeah, just like Space Invaders. Um, yeah, and there's also one called Zinglon's Revenge. Um, and it says here, a giant ship projects a horizontal field of energy. Small enemies fall down from above and bounce around the edges of the screen and against the energy field. Touching the field or one of the small enemies means almost certain death uh, 
instant death, blah, blah, blah. Players must shoot all the small enemies to advance to the next level. Yeah, that's basically just another sort of fixed shooter. Yeah. So it's, it's again, nice little mini game. You get a little bonus if uh, you're, you're, you're in a fixed ship with a fixed shot, fixed shot power, yeah. fixed amount of armor. You just, just play the game over and over again. So that's, it's something that probably was, was, uh, it, it pre uses pre existing graphics and pre existing enemies from the game. And it probably took them mm. all of about, uh, 15 minutes to code. But but it it adds value to the game and it and it makes things nicer for uh, people that are are playing the game is that there's something small to go through. Uh, the the important information thing here is is that you're supposed to complete it without the secret uh, ship. Okay. So, so you're if so the if you get to a certain level you can you can buy what's called the Stalker twenty one point one two six which I think is a year. Hmm. So it's it's a it's it's a sp- ship from the future. Oh. So if you if you get that one, uh, then uh, you get uh, this. Uh, you you can buy this ship in in story mode, and then it has some special uh, abilities of itself. But you only get to this uh, special uh, bonus games, except for ale uh, or Zinglon's a- a beer, <laughs> uh, by not having this uh, this ship. Okay. Ah, actually, the difference is, is that uh, if you don't have the Stalker, you get uh, the Galaga one, and if you do have the Stalker, you get Zinglon's Revenge, which is ah. more of a fixed bouncy shooter. Right. Huh. Okay. Those are probably mini games that I haven't played for like five years. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, surely this has nothing to do with speedrunning because this is all just a distraction. But it does show, I think, um, apart from what you said, is that it, 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 it gives some extra stuff for the player. But it also shows to me that the developers of this game were really having a good time. Uh, you know, when you, when you love your own project, that's when you put in extra stuff like this, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Why don't, why don't we go in a bit about the developers and, and the project hmm. itself right now? It's a, it's, a, it's a good jump. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I've looked up a little bit about this. Uh, I don't know if you know more about this than I do. Well, I don't know a lot about it, but if you have something to add, then then pl- please do. Um, what I looked up is that this game was developed by a company called Eclipse Software. Um, now, that's not a very well-known game company as far as I'm aware. Um and I read that the game was basically developed by three main people. Uh, there, were, there were more people involved at, at various stages during development, but it's it's really around three main guys that that, that, that made this game. Um, they are Alexander Brandon, who is a composer and a writer. Uh, there's Jason Emergy, who is a programmer and a level designer. And then finally, there's Daniel Cook, who uh, was the artist and interface designer for this game. Um, So I guess these three guys, they founded Eclipse Software, I guess. I don't know. Uh, What I do know is that the game, the project started all the way back in 1991. So that's four years before this game came out, actually. Um, And it was just Alexander and Jason at that point. So just the composer and the programmer. And they had this idea of making a, a vertical shooter. And they made a prototype but without having someone to really uh, care for the graphics. So they had, you know, what's called as, it's called programmer art, I think. So this is just, you know, stuff they they made themselves and it didn't look really good. 
So they sent a prototype to both Epic and to Apogee uh, in hopes that they would publish it as a shareware title. But they weren't interested because, well, there was the, the art just was too bad and it just didn't look very good. Um, and then I read they ran into this guy called Robert Allen and he was running a different game company called Safari Software. And they were doing all these small games, much yeah, much smaller than, than uh, what Apogee and, and Epic Mega Games were into. And he thought uh, that this prototype was actually kind of cool. But he saw that yeah, these guys just needed some help. And they just needed someone to you know make better graphics and just put this all together. So he hooked them up with some other people. Uh, among them was Daniel Cook. And uh, yeah, it clicked between them. And he made graphics and it looked great. And then... They, uh, they made another version which had improved graphics. Uh, and then Epix, yeah, they saw that and they thought, well, this, uh, this looks pretty cool now. So then they decided to publish it anyway. And then by 1995, I believe, uh, that's when, when version 1.0 came out. Um, and that version, that was the shareware version. And it only uh, had the first episode, but even with uh, some less levels than later, right? That's what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So there's really a, a small version of the game. That's uh, that's what they shipped in 1995 at first. Um, yeah. But uh, what's interesting is that none of these people have made games before. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a, a composer, a programmer, and an artist that just made this thing as their first game. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think Jason Emery now works at uh, Pop Art Games. Hmm. So okay. he's still making a living uh, programming games somewhere out there. Yeah. I think it was Plant, Plants vs. Zombies or, or something similar, what, what's on his LinkedIn profile right now. Yeah, that's a huge game. That's uh, a few years ago that was released by PopCap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I played a lot of that. That's a really fun game. So that's really cool that he... Uh, went on to to work on that sort of stuff. I'm not exactly sure what what he was uh, doing doing for that uh, bit, but he's uh, uh, some uh, some upgrades and stuff, but definitely hmm. all, uh, that probably kickstart his uh, things as, as uh, sort of a game programmer and apparently um, hmm. he also made a, a bid to do uh, um, Jazz the Jackrabbit uh, 3 or something. Right. Much later, yeah, because that's um, that's another uh, link to the Epic Mega Games uh, thing that they published it, and and maybe it's fun to to go into this a little bit because Epic Mega Games, it was sort of um, a competitor to Apogee at the time. I think uh, Apogee was, of course, having a lot of success by um, publishing the shareware titles such as uh, Commander Keen and Wolfenstein and and. You know, we we talked a lot about this already in other in previous episodes. I mean, and I think Epic Mega Games wanted to be well, also a competitor, also uh, uh, publishing shareware titles. Um, and I read that's kind of funny that in the beginning it was just this one guy working there called Tim Sweeney. Uh, I believe he's still at Epic. I'm not yes. completely sure, but yeah, I think he's... he still runs the whole company. <laughs> well, I'm sure he. He's not alone, but uh, yeah, he's still a, a big guy in the game industry. Um, but at first, it was just Tim Sweeney uh, all alone, and he thought, "I need a, I need a name that that makes my company looks 
you know, look larger than it is. So people will take me seriously. And that's why he called it Epic Mega Games. So, <laughs> so you know, when you, when you get a letter from Epic Mega Games, then you, then you read it, you know. Then you're like, whoa, wh- what are these guys? But it was just Tim Sweeney. Um, um, but later, of course, they also hired some other famous people like uh, Cliff Blesininski, uh, who later worked on Unreal, stuff like that. Uh, also, and also Jazz Deck Rabbit, I think. I think uh, Cliff also made the, the first two games in the series. At least the first one. Uh, and another big game they published was uh, One Must Fall. One Must Fall 2097. Uh, which was a, a, a fighting 2D fighting game with robots, I think. So, uh, yeah, they had some good success. And and they're the current publishers of Fortnite, of course. But yeah, <laughs> definitely. And they only yeah, make the a... Unreal Engine, which is used in who knows how many d- different pro- uh, modern games. But yeah, mm. small company, mm. and this is where they yeah. started. Well, that's exactly exactly that's what happened. So yeah, this is like uh, another chapter in the weird history of the of of the video game industry. Uh, we talked about Apache a lot, but these guys were also. You know, one of the pillars on which the whole thing is built now. Yeah, it totally is. And indeed, like you say, the Unreal Engine powers God knows how many games. So, uh, yeah, publishing vertical shooters was what they did before that. Um, Maybe it's fun to listen to some of the music, because the music in this game is pretty cool. There, there's there's one special feature which in, in the game, which is great, is, is that if you go into the setup of... Uh, uh, program of the game mm-hmm. there's a jukebox feature yeah and you can listen through all of the music and you can actually there's different kinds of key presses where you can change the visualization in the in the jukebox and you can change tracks in the jukebox <laughs> as well so i mean I, i'd probably spend hours just <laughs> listening to the music doing maybe other things at the same time oh, i can i can understand that <laughs> yeah and just just listen to the music it was really good during that era Hmm, yeah, yeah. I think there's um, there's some videos on YouTube of this uh, jukebox program, so you can look it up if you're not familiar. It's really cool. It's, it's it just has a list of all the songs, and it's quite a lot of songs too. It's uh, 25 songs, something like that. Yeah, I think it's it's quite it's quite a lot. Uh, yeah, of course, if you don't include the the victory jingle, which lasts about 10 seconds. But <laughs> um, now the game has uh, MIDI music mainly. Um, which, uh, you know, it can be played back by your uh, synthesizer chip on your Sound Blaster, for example, which has these Yamaha OPL chips, which were used also in AdLib cards, stuff like that. Um, And also, if you had a really fancy uh, MIDI playing thing, like, uh, you know, these boxes, these uh, external wavetable stuff boxes, you can also use those to uh, to play the music. Um, and what's actually interesting is that we listened to some MIDI music for games before. And to me, it was always apparent that the composers themselves, they probably used this fancy hardware to, to compose the music. And then the OPL version that was played back by a sound blaster was sort of an inferior uh, version of that. But I think for this game... It was the other way around. I think for this game, uh, Alexander, the the main composer for the for the game, I think he used a, an OPL chip himself and and programmed all the music for that. 
Because to me, the OPL version, it sounds really, really cool. And, well, I wouldn't say it sounds better than if you have a wavetable synth, but it, yeah, maybe it does even. <laughs> I mean, it sounds just super cool on the OPL chip. So uh, Let's just compare, maybe. Yeah, just have a listen. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, um, I'll start with the OPL version, which actually is not playing MIDI because you need a software MIDI player for that, but uh, let's let's just listen to it. Yeah. It's super cool indeed. It's just, you know, those sounds, those, those, I don't know, what is it? Those, those FM OPL chip sounds, they, they really come alive on this track. I, I just get flashbacks to playing the game. It's sort of like, okay, I, where's the weapon <laughs> sounds? And that, yeah, okay, what level this. I'm playing through and every, everything related to that. And it's just a catchy tune as well. I mean, just the melody. It's just, yeah, it's really nice. Absolutely. Um, I have the same song um, this time played back on a general MIDI device, um, a Sound Canvas 88 by Roland. Mm -hmm. Let's just compare what that, that sounds like. Yeah. You know what? I think you're right. It actually sounds better uh, played back through the OPL. Yeah, well... I, I feel that the leads are a bit punchier and uh, the, the general MIDI version doesn't add so much. Just a bit more reverb, I feel. And yeah, I think the, the FM synth version sounds better. You're right. Yeah, it's it's weird because with a lot of games, if you if you hook up one of these boxes or you use an MT32 emulation or whatever, you know, then, then suddenly the music it comes alive and you hear these beautiful sounds. But with this game, it's just it's just kind of meh. It's just meh. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. You could and you could enjoy it just as well with the cheaper hardware in this case. Yeah. I think in, in this case it sort of was preferred to actually have like a Sound Blaster 16, which was pretty standard standard mm. stuff back then. And maybe you got a bit more out of it if you had the the uh, 32 uh, uh, AWE edition, but. I mean, I, I don't even recognize it really in in the Sound Canvas version. It's not it's not sort of the, it doesn't bring back the same memories. It doesn't bring back the same feeling. Yeah, 
Um, and what's interesting is that this music, uh, as it was written by Alexander Brandon, um, he released the soundtrack for free on his uh, Bandcamp webpage. So, yeah, we'll put the link in with the post. But uh, you can find all of his music on this page and also the, the Tyrion soundtrack. You can just download it for free over there. Um, but what, you're, what, you, what you download there is also the OPL version. So clearly, Alexander himself, he also prefers the music played back by this chip instead of using some fancy uh, music playing hardware. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, I think it also fits the whole theme of the game. I mean, the game looks looks very much uh, like an arcade game, you know, and, and with, with all this, the sprites flying around. It, it really looks like the game needs uh, one of those chip tune sounds and not, not the fancy high-end Hmm. synthesized stuff yeah um now i read that the Tyrion 2000 which we've uh, uh mentioned a few times now i read that this version can also have cd audio do you know more about this uh, perhaps not really i never really had a physical copy of this game hmm. so i don't really know if it if there was a cd audio version of this or or what the, the the current version that has actually sort of been given out, but yeah, I doubt that it sounds any different than the OPL. Yeah, there's that's... there's just no reason, and that's the way that it was composed. Yeah, I mean the the version that I ha have of Raiden is on CD. That that's you know that's a game that pre predates this, and that has CD audio, mm -hmm. and that's most likely because it's just easier to uh, play it back in in that aspect. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Uh, what exactly happened with Turian 2000 and and the CD version? Mm. But most likely, it, it, you'll your mileage might vary, but it probably makes no difference yeah. on actually uh, using the um, game music itself. And if you actually run this on authentic hardware, you might have a bit of lag when the CD spins up and, mm. and does some loading and 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 starts uh, vibrating your table where <laughs> your uh, your computer is on. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right because I searched on YouTube also and I couldn't find anything. Uh, and also the fact that that Alexander offers the OPL versions himself, I think this is what what they put onto onto the CD as well. Then, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe some some newer sound cards don't do OPL emulation anymore, and that yeah. mean they had to do it in software. And just rendering it to CD audio is probably just easier and cheaper to do. And yeah. yeah, that's probably that's 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 something I can imagine. Yeah. Um, now we have mentioned the this term Tyrion two thousand a few times, uh, and we we talked about this version one version two So maybe maybe we should explain a little bit what what this actually means and what this all is. Um, obviously, version one is the first one. Uh, that's the original shareware version as it was released in 1995. Um, maybe maybe you can help us a little bit with what all the other versions are, Esco. Yeah, if I'm trying to remember exactly correctly. So if uh, I think the uh, the 1.0 version was basically the initial release, which was yeah. then uh, patched up to uh, to 1.1. Uh, yeah. Fairly, fairly soon, actually. Uh, afterwards. Yeah, and I think I think version one point one is also the the commercial release. So 
you you had this shareware uh, version, and then if you decided, oh, I want I want to buy this game, I want to have the full version, then you would receive version one point one, right? Uh, I th- I don't think so. I think back mm. back in that era, it was that one point zero was the release, and one point one was actually the just just a normal patch like they did mm. back then, like with Doom one point zero and one point one. They didn't actually add functionality. I think they just fixed a, fixed a couple bugs that was in the initial release of the game. Okay. So I think the the one point one. I'm pretty much sure that I played the one point zero release even in episode two and episode three, oh. which was which was uh, released in 1.1.0 and 1.1, is that they might have added a weapon or a shield or two that was missing, hmm. something glaring, like they had the low-class shield C and they had the low-class shield A, but they forgot the B version of it. <laughs> okay, that's obvious, yeah. So so I think I think there was, that, that was literally sort of the, the, the thing, and that, uh, 1.1 was sort of the initial release. You could you could play that from start of episode one to the end of episode three, and then you'd loop back to uh, the beginning of episode one. And uh, currently, in a speedrun setting, that's what uh, maybe half an hour mm. or so. Wow. wow, that's insane. Well, the the world records are ab- around one hour five minutes for the whole okay. game. Okay, but don't don't expect to finish the first episode in that time. No, not unless you know what you're doing. Indeed. Um, but yeah, uh, after yeah. that, uh, sort of the the two point two point zero version came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it was probably a couple of years afterwards uh, because they uh, then uh, added a completely new episode, yeah. which is uh, uh, episode four. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Then uh, apparently they also added the two player mode and super Tyrion mode, and uh, they added all new equipment, new ships, uh, bonus games. They added uh, the um, a couple extra. Uh, levels to the end of episode one, hmm. as as I remember as well, and then is if you play the game in December, you get a special treat of Christmas mode, <laughs> yeah, which was actually existed in in Raptor, I think. Wow, as well, is that if you played it in, um, I think it was it was December twenty fifth. If you set your date to December twenty fifth, you you uh, were shooting candy canes or, or something. <laughs> That's similar. great. That's great. But yeah, that that was that was there. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, there's the the mythical Tyrion 2000, which was actually released in 1999. Yeah, that was that was much much later. Right. And that was sort of like a, a full uh, full overhaul of of the game, and uh, they uh, uh, added on the the last episode, which personally feels like a complete joke. Oh really? After complete after if you complete episode 4, you can complete episode 5 with your eyes closed uh, almost. Right. And and that was a bit of a disappointment. It felt like okay, they added a, in a couple new weapons, they added in a couple new ships, but it didn't really feel like a proper addition to the game. Hmm. Y- if you you could just play th- play through it anyway, get a feeling get a feeling for it but but that was my sort of opinion is, is that maybe it was for the Tyrion veterans that had played through the game so many times that they could go press start and move on to episode select episode 5 and then just start playing and and complete the new episode and mm. and be be happy with it right but all the original content is still in there right yes it's it's completely everything else is there all the secret levels are there all the story is there everything else is there? It just added. Uh, uh, probably the main addition was Windows compatibility. Mm, you know, right. back in that day, it was more important. Maybe. Yeah, 
So, and, and Tyrion 2000, um, that's also the version that's uh, released as freeware nowadays, I think, right? Yeah, I remember actually a, a while back is, is that I made a forum post myself uh, somewhere where Jason Emery was involved or, or talking about the game. And I made a forum, forum post that just literally said is that, can you just please release this on GOG? Oh wow! Which back then, of course, was good old games. Yeah, yeah. It took it, it took a while, I guess, uh, but and I never received a reply or anything anything similar. But I made that I made that forum post back because I was familiar with what GOG was doing in that era mm-hmm. and and uh, what they were doing with games, and just said, "Why don't you release it through GOG? Yeah, uh, if you want to make it for free or just." put it out there for people. I'm, I'm sure people wanted it, and they did, and it was free. Yeah, and it's still on there, I think. Yes, it's uh, still there, it's still free, and it's just go get it today and play it. It's DRM-free, it's yours to keep forever. Yeah. You guys know, you know what? I'm a liar. What? You, uh, you asked me, have you heard of the game before? And I said, no, I haven't. But yeah. now I'm realizing um, when we started playing the game, um, someone told me that it's for free on GOG, and I went there, and I, I looked through uh, the, the, the library of games and I said, I want it. And it said, hey, wait, you have it already. So I assume I, <laughs> I, assume I got it when, when it got free, uh, released for free back in the day. Mm. And I just said, oh, let's grab it. But I never tried it. Uh, I'm, I'm guilty. Ah, uh, right. Uh, but, but still, I mean, you can still get it for free on GOG. And that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think, I, you know, I wish more... Uh, developers would would release their games for free after a while because you know the the state of of game preservation it's a bit sad really i mean yeah these old games they just get forgotten about and then they're put on these vague rom sites where you can just try to find the correct download button through all the ads and i don't know it's not it's a bit miserable and uh yeah yeah Especially for games that that didn't get big box releases, and I think Tyrion didn't, right? Um, well, it was released in, on physical medium as Tyrion Two Thousand, yeah, because hmm. okay. we did we did talk about the CD version with right. the CD audio, so it must have been released in in some kind of uh, boxed version. Right. Hmm. A lot of these other shareware games were also physically released, uh, but I just don't know. No, I just think it's really cool that they put it on GOG for new people to discover and and yeah just to to keep it alive uh, and 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 so yeah people don't have to go onto these fake uh rom sites and and just yeah download random exa files or go to archive.org and and look at their dos game database and hope that they have it in sort of playable format there indeed indeed i mean it's cool that what archive is doing but you know their their task would be easier if the developers helped out a bit by by making sure that you know their games were are preserved properly yeah yeah but uh, the the game companies especially the big ones i think they have an interest in keeping the number of, of their games that are playable low mm. of the old retro games at least yeah um i mean um, nintendo just shut down one of those huge rom sites right indeed yeah yeah, indeed. And and uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they want to keep the nostalgia alive, but they don't want people actually playing these games for free because then, you know, they might not buy the next one, but play the old one instead. So, yeah. Oh, well. But still, what, what the Tyrion guys did was nice. 
just yeah. And there there was uh, an unreleased uh, Game Boy or Game Boy Advance version that was mm. worked on by Jason as well, and that was never actually released, and that was never actually finished either. Hmm. Yeah, I read about that, and I read it. Yeah, it was a bit troubled because the publisher he he went bankrupt or something. And then it moved on to someone else and they canceled the project, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, a bit sad. I, it's, it's just sort of sort of a shame uh, for, for that aspect is that uh, you try hard, but then most likely uh, he learned a lot about implementing games on mobile platforms. And mm. that uh, was probably, it may have been even just a pet project is, is that I have nothing better to do. Let's try <laughs> to put it on G- Game Boy Advance. And yeah. I have a development system here that somebody's given to me and let's, let's see what I can do. It's also kind of funny that, that uh, the vertical shooter went from the arcade to the console to the PC. And then from the PC, Tyrion went back to the console, uh, guys. So it's like going in reverse. Ah, but, <laughs> but remember that uh, GTA also had a Game Boy release, right? Totally. Yes, it did. Yeah, totally. So it, it, was, it was a time when, when those, those Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color things, I think yeah. many things were ported to them. Yeah, totally. Especially these, these DOS games. Um... There's also a thing called Open Tyrion. Are you familiar with that? I'm only basically familiar with that, and it seems like uh, they're trying to bait, recreate Tyrion, the source code, sort of the gameplay yeah. style, and all of the the internal data. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to do 2.0. Mm. So Tyrion 2000 is sort of the 3.0, and they're trying to do 2.0. Right. Because there's there's a lot of data that that uh, oh, somebody's been looking into in in our speedrunning community as well, and that pulls out information about weapons that were uh, were only up to Turian uh, two point two point oh. Right. So not actually including the ones that you can get in episode five. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that they're trying to sort of get. The, the basic Tyrion, not Tyrion 2000. Okay. And that's, in, in some ways, it's sort of misleading to talk that there's Tyrion and then there's Tyrion 2000. And they're sort of very different games, except that Tyrion 2000 includes all the rest. It's yeah. sort of like a game of the year edition. Yeah. From, from sort of a, a bit of a, a current, current uh, gaming perspective. Exactly. Um, because even though Tyrion was released as freeware, it was not made open source so yeah people still can't see the the code so the the open Tyrion guys they are trying to re-implement the whole game i think in an open source way yes yes that's that's definitely what the, what they're trying to do yeah um now maybe it's it's interesting to talk a little bit about how this game was uh, received back in the in the day uh I don't really remember much about this game being released. I just remember it suddenly appearing on these uh, CD-ROMs with with magazines and stuff like that. But um, on Wikipedia, it actually says that it got some really, really good reviews. Uh, PC Gamer, for example, gave it a 87%. And uh, a magazine called Next Generation, which I've never heard of, gave it a 4 out of 5. And uh, Computer Gaming World even named it Action game of the year. What about that? That's crazy. So m- people must have liked it, right? That's def- definitely definitely something that if if you're stuck with three hours playing this game, is is that you just 
you just end up liking it. And one of the good parts of the game is is that uh, maybe in story mode is that okay, you play the same level, you die once, you play, you, it's another minute, you get to the same point in the level, you advance, mm. then you get to the next level. It's a completely new thing, completely new enemies, complete, completely new layouts. It's it's not a game where you're you're hitting your head against the wall for for half an hour wondering why can I why can't I win this? Yeah, exactly. Um. Also, uh, a DOS Game Club member, uh, Richard, he was uh, kind enough to scan in some old UK magazines he had uh, laying around. Uh, he posted them on our, on our forums. Uh, you, can, you can see the scans there. But I'm, I'm just looking at one. Uh, this is PC Format, issue 50 from November 1995. And they, they are really also, uh, apparently Tyrion was on their uh, cover disc that month. And uh, they're saying that Tyrion's simplicity belies its excruciating, so I can't even say this, <laughs> excruciatingly addictive gameplay. So bear that fact in mind before you install it from our cover disc. Don't say we didn't warn you. So that's cool. It's, it's, it's kind of odd to me that this game... It seems like a small game, you know, back, back in 95. Well, maybe it was a little bit before all the, the 3D stuff exploded. But it's, it seems like a bit of an, a small, old school kind of game. But the magazine still really loved it. So There were some, some other voices as well. I mean, hmm. um, the ones you listed now are all above 80%. But when you go to uh, Moby Games and you check out the reviews there, mm -hmm. there are some in the 60 and low 60 percent range and there's one polish one that i sadly cannot understand that only gave them 40 percent wow okay in 99 so that's probably um Tyrion 2000 then i guess yeah exactly yeah you have to watch out a bit of Tyrion 2000 because uh there was uh it was a windows release so there might be some reviews that have actually sort of give it given it a um a bad review because well it doesn't work on our windows xp machine right. mm. Okay. Or something similar that it doesn't sound right because because it's missing the OPL because yeah. they're using some kind of sound chip that was on the board rather than the the Sound Blaster 16 that some of us remember very well and love. Yeah. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Huh. Okay. But still the original release it got really good reviews. So yeah. And I did did recently go through like uh, top ten best DOS retro games, and and uh, it was some reporters list, and and number one on the list was Tyrion. Oh wow! Still, it just basically says go play this game. Yeah, well, that's that's sort of. Um, I mean, I I didn't. I wish I had put more time into this game, you know, because I I feel I only scratched the surface a little bit. Just played the first few levels, and then yeah, that's it. So I I feel. There's so much more stuff to discover, uh, and and the way you talk about it, yeah, it makes me uh, curious for all that. What yeah, are you laughing at? I, I have the same feeling. Maybe the next time we get our expert first, and then we play the game. Oh, instead of uh, at the end. Wow. Right. That's smart thinking. If if I had known that mouse controls were much faster, then then I would have probably tried. Much more because often I couldn't just reach some of the enemies because the mouse, uh, the keyboard controls were just too slow. Mm. And if I had known about those special moves that you can perform, like like in a beat 'em up, yeah, that would have added so much to the game. But I just didn't know about it. That's cool, huh? That's really, yeah. You can't know this stuff until someone tells you. That's that's the weird thing. 
Right. But as, as, as professional podcasters, we should probably look that stuff up, right? Hmm. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you hints once uh, once the next uh, next month games start because that's that's also something that I played to death. <laughs> um, are you talking about uh, Prince of Persia? Because that's the game we actually played last July. Well, that that one I never actually made it past the first level properly. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I could I could get the sword. I could I could get to uh, I could get to the first enemy. Then I die horribly. Wow! And then I'd wash, rinse, and repeat. Hmm. Okay. That maybe maybe you should yeah. dive in and try again. I mean, you surely have the skills if you can. <laughs> Pro- probably now compared yeah. to thirteen-year-old me or twelve-year-old me. <laughs> But but in in once once we get to September, which is uh, at rec- recording time is next month, is is Monkey Island for good reasons. Yeah. one of my one of my probably top three games ever. Yeah, because last so so last month in July we were playing Prince of Persia, and we'll uh, record a podcast about that uh, as soon as we can. Um, and this month in August uh, we're still playing Warcraft Two, which is also a really cool game. So. Uh, Yes. Yeah, we're on a bit of a, a streak of uh, of cool games, <laughs> and then, like you said, in September, Monkey Island's coming up. So, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a whole list of things that you should try. <laughs> well, you, you you should totally do that because uh, we have a suggestion forum over on the, on our website dosgameclub.com, and uh, yeah, feel free to suggest games there because. That's actually what we use uh, as a reference for picking the games that we play. So I think yeah. Esco was talking about stuff in Monkey Island, or did I misunderstand? Oh. Yeah, well, that, that's 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 something that I have. I have about four or five things in Monkey Island that you guys should just try out. Oh. This is there's 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 a couple really wacky things that you can do do in there which you don't realize. Okay, well, yeah, it would be great if you could share that with us. Uh, you can use the forums for that. Yep. And and yeah, and of course maybe you can be back for the podcast on that one. And then uh and yeah. And maybe maybe Martin will finally learn that LucasArts Adventures are superior to Sierra games. I, I never said I never <laughs> said. Uh sort sort of on a weird aspect, I speed run Loom, the adventure game. Really? Yes. Is that a thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it is a thing, but it's it's only because I I was talking with somebody and it was like uh, uh, you know they they liked Loom and Loom is Loom is a great game and it's mm. it's just just funny on the aspect is that let's just go out and see what it takes to complete this game as fast as I can as uh, wow. and and I've actually done a run within the past two two weeks it's it's less than half an hour which completely ruins the game yeah so uh, a, a sagely point of advice. Never speedrun an adventure game unless you've played it already at least yeah, four times. Exactly because Be- you, you because skip even all even the... watching the video you'll you'll um, you'll ruin yourself. Oh. But don't forget when you once you get to Monkey Island, don't forget to uh, ask Cobb to tell tell you about Loom. Mm. Yeah, definitely because uh, it, actually that's pretty funny because we had uh, this cross advertisement before when, back when we had a uh, Grand Prix Circuit or uh, yeah was it Grand Prix Circuit? I don't remember. I, I do remember that the, uh, another game by the same guys, uh, Test Drive 2, it has all these advertisements for Grumpy Circuit in it. So, yeah, it's always a bit wacky when these game companies advertise other games they have in their own games. It's kind of funny. Uh, and this is definitely also going on with Monkey Island and Loom, yeah. 
yeah and it's and it's definitely it's it's a great great thing on that aspect and mm. and gen- generally just just talking at the end of about speed re- speed running games is is Tyrion was a great fun game to to speed run is is that you just you, you at the point where you know what you're doing especially if you're a veteran with the game you know what you're doing you know where you're going you watch some of the some of the top runs make sure uh, make sure if you get a bit commentated contact me if if necessary to to get sort of an idea leave messages for us we try to help out if if anybody wants to know how to do it and oh. it in the end it's a lot of fun yeah that's super cool we'll uh, we'll include a link uh in in the post that goes along with this podcast and then uh you know, people who are interested, they can follow that and uh, and get. And you can o- you can always pick up the easier category, which I call New Game Plus, is where you start off at the first episode with a complete loadout, right? And then your point is to just complete the game as fast as possible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, you know, one question I do have is: Do you feel speedrunning this game has ruined it for you? I mean, can you? No. Okay. Well, that's easy. <laughs> it's just, it's just uh, for for me is is that it's it's a completely different vibe, uh, especially for this game from speedrunning it. The the first thing comes from that you're running on turbo mode. You're you're ultra uh, making things extremely efficient. Mm. You're choosing the best weapons. You're choosing uh, the the best routes. You're yeah. choosing not to go into any of the secret levels. You're choosing to use the ships that have the twiddles that you need. Yeah. You're you're upgrading your uh, front weapon and rear weapon uh, based on certain cycles. You go into the shop when you need to, rather than uh, poking around and seeing what a weapon does. It's it's not it's not the same as playing through the basic game. Hmm. And if I'd play through the basic game, I wouldn't necessarily make the choices that I make in in speedrunning. Hmm. One one important time save, which which uh, one of uh, the um, other runners, Darpy, which couldn't make it couldn't make it here is I told him about it hey why are you killing that boss if you don't kill that boss you save a minute and a half mm-hmm. it's sort of like oh really <laughs> and and that's just an aspect actually of the game itself is if you don't play it enough you notice that if you defeat the boss you get an extra two levels which takes an extra minute and a half if you don't if you uh, let the timer run out you don't have to go you skip those two levels you go straight on uh, to, towards the end of the game yeah and it's just a basic small thing that you have to notice. And and speedrunning requires at least when you do the routing, when you when you do it um, uh, for uh, making sure how to get from A to B the fastest possible. Is is that you try to start to pick up on small things like mm. uh, the level A might end slightly faster when you're at the top of the screen when after killing the boss. Oh, yeah. Because there's less less frame animation from moving the ship to the top of the screen. Exactly. It's, Itty bitty stuff like this, and then of course the the menu boss is still always your worst en- enemy in this game. Is that? Yeah. I think in in my first runs, which probably are the first three runs of the game ever, is is that I spend ten minutes in the menus, <laughs> and that's uh, that's out of one hour twenty. Yeah, that's significant. Yeah, yeah, but still, I think it says something about how good this game is. Um, if if you still enjoy this game after playing it so much, I mean you have you have looked at everything in this game in so much detail, and still you you can enjoy playing it. So that's 
that's something I think. Yes, it's it's definitely in, and the point is, is whether I mentioned it at the beginning, is is choose a game you love. Mm, yeah, because you'll be playing so much of it if you actually choose to sort of speed run it competitively that uh, you'll end up hating the game if you don't love it. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Wow. So uh seems like this is a pretty cool game after all, Florian. I think it totally is. Um well, as I already mentioned, I didn't think that before. I was a bit disappointed by the game at first because uh let's just say expectations were high after uh, all the tweets we got um mm. du- during the poll when everybody said, "Hey, this is the best game ever" and lots of hearts were sent. Um but I assume with all the info we have now, I will just retry playing it and yeah, yeah maybe give an update in one later day. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think that wraps it up a bit. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything we should mention. Um, Is there? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Um, thank you very much for, for joining us, uh, Esco. It was really cool. Well, it was it was great to be here. Yeah, of course, and and you know, love uh, love talking about those games any day. So uh, <laughs> yeah, who who would have thought that you like talking about those games? <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 true. So uh, anyone who loves any those game is a friend of mine. That's just how it is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, super cool that you wanted to be here, and and well, thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Of course, uh, you the the listener. And uh, yeah, uh, we're we're just uh, going to make sure that the summer break is uh, well. The delay it caused, uh, we'll 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 work through things quickly to uh, to get uh, back on track. Now we had the same last year, and we managed. Yeah. We managed this year exactly. So we'll, so yeah, look out for our next one on uh, Prince of Persia shortly. If you would like to join, we are playing Warcraft right now. You can go over on bossgameclub.com and uh, and join us there. And then uh, next month in September, we will be playing Monkey Island. So uh, you can join us with that. And that's all for now, I think. So, uh, yeah. Thanks and uh, goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.